what you're doing? Are you frustrated because you feel like you're not performing at the level that you know you're absolutely capable of? Are you feeling anxious and not taking action because of fear? Are you sick and tired of feeling stuck? Then this program is a fit for you. Hi, I'm Kim Yader, Peak Performance Coach, and I've had well over 25 years of coaching sessions with high performers just like you who want to take their life and their performance to the next level. I've created a step-by-step process that takes you from A to Z from our self-assessment strategy roadmap to our breakthrough release blueprint. I've helped people from all walks of life, and I can absolutely help you. So if you're feeling anxious, frustrated, or stuck, and you're not performing at your peak, unlock your life now and perform at your peak. Go to unlockyourlifecoach.com and set a time with me for a complimentary strategy session. Unlockyourlifecoach.com and unlock your life now. Welcome to the tribe. El Gringo Hot Sauce Tried and True. Made for those heat aficionados and sagacious connoisseurs that like their palates tantalized. Hot Sauce made for you, the common man, but also the sophisticated. Made in small batches and slow roasted to give you that sense of nostalgia you get when eating home-cooked meals, while also that gourmet flavor and consistency you find at a five-star restaurant. Bottom line is, we love what we do. We hope you enjoy our infectiously superb fruit-infused hot sauce. Bold with flavor, just the perfect amount of heat. Go forth bravely and share some sauce. El Gringo, can you take the heat? Go to elgringohotsauce.com and place your order today. That's elgringohotsauce.com, San Diego's best hot sauce. Welcome to the Take Your Power Back Show with Peak Performance Breakthrough Coach, Kim Yader. Today's empowering program will encourage you to step into your power, to take action in your leadership, and allow your voice to be heard. Listen in today as we speak to other freedom-loving Americans that are making a positive impact in the world by standing in truth amid adversity. Learn how to take your power back in your freedom, in your personal and professional life, in technology and creativity, and in your faith. Be inspired. Be encouraged. Be transformed. Together, let's take your power back with our host, Peak Performance Breakthrough Coach, Kim Yader. Well, hello there, my freedom-loving patriots. Welcome to Take Your Power Back. I am your host, Peak Performance Coach, Kim Yader. And we're ready to get this party started. I'm so excited. Today's empowering program will encourage you to step into your power and take action in your leadership and allow your voice to be heard. And you truly are in for a great treat today. We've got sheriffs in the house. Come on. We've got two very special guests today. Freedom Fighter Sheriff of all sheriffs, Sheriff Richard Mack, and running for Sheriff of San Diego with 30 years of honorable service to our country, John Hammerling. So let's welcome in our first up is Sheriff Mack. Good morning, Sheriff Mack. Good morning, Kim. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is, it is an honor to have you on the Take Your Power Back show. I'm so excited. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> I want the lowdown. I want the lowdown. We, we got to connect at Reawaken America Tour with General Flynn and Clay Clark. And I'll tell you, when you and I are both giants, and you looked at me and you said, were you a basketball player? (laughs) I was like, yes, you're speaking my language. And you were a coach. You were a coach at one point, weren't you? I I, uh, recently was a coach, and I was a player. And uh, I guess my biggest claim to fame is that I was recruited by University of Maryland, and the University of Arizona to play college ball. Uh, I did play one college game at Eastern Arizona College, where uh, right near my hometown and where I used to be sheriff. And I played. I played one game, and I just said, "There's no way I'm going to play all three sports <laughs> at, at college level." And I decided to uh, not uh, play basketball, and I did play football and baseball. And then I got married, and I decided that it was time to get serious about life and pursue a career. And uh, I, I, I think that I could have gone um, much further with, with especially football. I had some other uh, pretty good offers after that. 
but I busted up my knee yeah. really bad in high school. And I thought, well, you know what? I got the one year back that I lost in high school and I decided just, it was time to go back to college, get my degree and, uh, you know, pursue a career like this, you know, and I tried to get an FBI cause my dad retired from the FBI, but boy, I'm glad I, it didn't work out to get an FBI. And I'm grateful that, uh, I pursued the path as a, a peace officer and, uh, ultimately as Sheriff of yes. Graham County, Arizona. Yes, I love it. I love it. And you know, I want to share with our audience a little bit more about you. I mean, not only were you a stellar athlete, incredible leadership, and such discipline, you translated that all into every area of your life. You're an author, speaker, and former sheriff who served in a wide variety of roles over the course of nearly 20-year experience in law enforcement, which began in Provo, Utah. After 11 years at Provo PD, you decided to return to your childhood turf in Arizona and run for Graham County Sheriff. Your campaign took off, and you were elected in 1988. It was a great year. That was my high school graduation year. I love it. So during your tenure, right, that dates me, during your tenure, federal officers informed the sheriffs of the state that they would be required to enforce the so-called Brady Bill and run background checks at their expense under the law. Well, in 1994, you and six other sheriffs from across the country challenged the constitutionality of the Brady Bill and ultimately fought it all the way to the United States Supreme Court, where you won the monumental decision for freedom. Three years later, in a landmark 5-4 split decision based on the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, you won the case. You've been named Election Official of the Year by the Arizona-New Mexico Coalition of Counties in 1994. You received the NRA Law Officer of the Year, inducted into the NRA Hall of Fame. In 1995, the Cicero Award, Samuel Adams Leadership Award from the Local Sovereignty Coalition and Gun Owners of America Defender of the Second Amendment Award. Gosh, you were the sheriff for two terms until 1997. And currently you're teaching consulting and empowering people just like me around the country and around the world. You started the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, the CSPOA, which educates both citizens as well as sheriffs and other peace officers on the Constitution and their limitations of power according to the Constitution. That is so incredible. So here, my first question up for you is, you know, what are the limitations of power on government officials according to the Constitution? I mean, I don't know if we all know this information, and I'm curious. I can answer that, Dune, in three words. Come on, Bill give it to me. of rights. Mm. Uh, and I recommend to every public official, sheriffs, peace officers, all of them, that they should memorize uh, what each one is about. Uh, there's about 28 principles of liberty that are uh, detailed within the ten, first ten amendments, which is the Bill of Rights. People say, how are you saying there's 28 when there's 10 in, in there? And I said, well, number one has five. Mm-hmm. Number two has maybe two. It, 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 is, it talks about the militia and then it being necessary for the security of a free state. Then it says the right of people to keep and bear arms. Those are actually, uh, they play off of each other and they reinforce each other. Uh, a lot of the Democrats trying to dispel the significance of the Second Amendment say that all of us who believe in the Second Amendment are actually violating and not paying any attention to the first half. Well, that's because they don't know and understand that the intent of the founding fathers was uh, to make sure that the militia is always armed and well-trained and well-equipped. And the militia being uh, defined as the people themselves. Mm. So the second part where it says the right of people to keep marriage shall be infringed is just reinforcing the first part that a well-armed militia or people uh, are necessary for freedom. So three is um, just one, and it has, of course, uh, dealing with something that doesn't come up very often, thank goodness. Uh, but it did on, uh, under the founding fathers, especially during, right before and during the Revolutionary War, quartering of troops in people's homes. And then four, of course, is one of, uh, that applies to cops big time, and that is the right to privacy. 
the probable cause is uh, required for any of our actions, that warrants are to be signed, uh, duly signed by a judge, and that warrants can only be served on uh, to, to avoid unreasonable searches, that you can only look for the people and things detailed in the warrant. In other words, if you are looking for stolen tires, you can't look in my medicine cabinet. Mm. And that's all detailed right there. Uh, and the courts really don't need to get involved too much in that. Uh, what, what happens if we need to interpret shall not be infringed or uh, shall make no law or uh, any of those, they're, they're easy to understand, except maybe for number nine. And then number five, of course, double jeopardy, um, the right to remain silent, and that uh, due process is required. Due process. Uh, so we now have required probable cause for cops and due process. And then number six details what due process is. And it mentions about eight or nine things that the uh, accused is guaranteed, and that's where again government comes in. And what what should a sheriff do if a county attorney or a judge violates any of these uh, within number six or any of them for that matter? Would I be required to go along with a judge or prosecutor or legislature who clearly violates uh, the Bill of Rights? I would be under solemn oath to oppose it not go along with ignorance or tyranny or abusive government. And that's where we have really failed in law enforcement over the years. We think we have to do whatever the legislatures or judges tell us, Mm. and yet we work for the executive uh, division uh, or branch uh, because there's three divisions uh, within the government, and, and we're all supposed to keep each other in our proper lane. But yet we we say we belong to the other two. That is a lie and misnomer. Uh, okay, number seven is uh, about uh, any uh, controversy, uh, civil or civil suit, or common law issue. If the value of the controversy is over twenty dollars, then you are guaranteed again the right to a jury, just like in number six. So the people decide just about every case in this country, civil and criminal. And then number eight is one that really applies to cops, and I think it really makes a statement against the wholesale distribution of traffic tickets because it outlaws, it makes illegal to have excessive fines or bail, and that's exactly what traffic tickets are. And then it also outlaws cruel and unusual punishment. Number nine, a little bit, little bit difficult to understand, just a little bit, but if you really look at it, it's not that difficult. But it means if there's a right not mentioned in the Constitution, that doesn't mean you don't have it. And the one I like to bring up the most is, uh, Kim, do you have a right to be a mother? I do have a right yeah. to be a mother. Do, do I have a right to be a father? You absolutely yeah. have the right to be a father. But that's not mentioned in the Constitution. Mm. So people, that, there was a time where they said, if it's not mentioned in the Constitution, then you don't have it. So the founding fathers put that in there specifically to say, just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean you don't have it. And then number 10 is what I sued the federal government on, and that is uh, the power is not delegated to the United States government. And we need to remember who delegated those powers to the federal government. It was the states. The states formed the federal government. And so many times we forget that. Well, when did they become our boss? Mm. If we formed them and we gave them strict, delegated, limited powers, when did they become our boss? And I'll bet you $5,000, nobody can answer that. Some people will say, oh, it happened at the Civil War. So you're saying that after the Civil War, the South and the Northern states both surrendered their sovereignty to the federal government. Show me where that happened and show me how that happened. It, that's an absolute uh, balderdash. Mm. And, and the Tenth Amendment says all powers not delegated to the federal government are retained by the people or the states. Well, Yeah. <laughs> so how many powers now has the federal government stolen because the states failed to enforce the 10th amendment? The so state is not and, standing up. The state's not standing up. I got that. Solemn oath. Let's go back yeah. for a second. You take a solemn oath. Tell us what that solemn oath is because don't all sheriffs take the same solemn oath? 
Yeah, they do. Uh, we take the same oath as the judges, as the president, as any other public official, uh, from the dog catcher all the way down to the president. We all swear that oath. And uh, it's required. Now, the, the next question would be, does anybody in law enforcement know why we take the oath? Mm, that's a great question. What, why do we take it? Does anybody in law enforcement know and understand the role that sheriffs and law enforcement play in the preservation of our constitutional republic? Um, and that's really what that's really what changed me when I was a rookie cop. That's what changed me from uh, just a cop uh, by the numbers cop writing tickets and kicking in doors and trying to make uh, as many felony arrests as I can and and just bring in the numbers, bring in the money and bring, you know, t- I felt like a tax collector. Mm. But the, the requirement by law is in Article 6. So the founding fathers put it in the Constitution, not Amendment 6, Article 6. There are seven articles. Article 1 deals with the legislative branch. Article 2 deals with the executive branch. Article 3 is ju- judicial branch. And then there's four more after that. In Article 6, it d- details the Supremacy Clause. And that's a good one to know, too. And uh, then also that all of us are required by the Constitution to swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution, not to the president, not to the legislature, not to the governor. But we swear this oath in God's name to the people we work for. That's right. That we will protect their God-given rights as detailed in the Constitution and more specifically the supreme of the supremo law of the land, the Bill of Rights. That's right. That's right. Oh, speak of Sheriff. And once you take the oath, <laughs> once you take the oath, the <laughs> argument about what laws you're going to enforce is over. You already swore a sacred solemn oath that you would uphold, defend, protect, and preserve those rights as specified, especially in the Bill of Rights. A lot, a lot of the other stuff, the articles that I mentioned, are logistical and talk about the duties mm-hmm. of, of, of federal employees and others. What we do now, as far as preserving liberty, is how much we preserve the Bill of Rights. Mm, so how do we hold our sheriffs accountable to that oath and being that stand for us? Well, we do it every four years uh, in judging how they kept their oath. Uh, while they were in office, or we can even recall them, like in California and in Arizona. Uh, and after I filed the lawsuit on the Brady Bill, there was a group that tried to uh, recall me. Uh, but they didn't get enough signatures and they didn't go anywhere. So here I am trying to protect gun rights and trying to protect the office of sheriff and stop the overreach of the Clinton administration. Yeah, I sued the Clintons and lived to tell about it. Yes, you did, and you're so right another, here. Thank you, Jesus. another miracle. But, um, no, we we all swear that oath, and and so uh, we we have to obey it. We have to keep our word. And very little attention is paid to the oath of office in any police training or in any of our uh, departmental meetings or ongoing training. And so I said, I'm going to change that as best I can. And we're going to put the Constitution first. We're going to put our word first. And no one understand if you promise to uphold and bend the Constitution, that presupposes that you're going to know and understand it. One of the greatest brainwashings of all time is that only the U.S. Supreme Court can say what is constitutional or, and what is not constitutional. Do you know who's supposed to decide? Kim, do you know who's supposed to decide what's constitutional? Are we the people. Who's supposed to decide? Are, are we supposed to decide? I mean, it's clear. Right? Mm-hmm. It's clear. So whoever, well, mm-hmm. yeah, whoever takes the oath must decide. Mm. It's not, otherwise, I would be saying this. I swear, I, Richard Rankers, solemnly swear that I will uphold and defend everything the Supreme Court says and does and do basically what my sheriff, chief, sergeant, lieutenant tell me to do. That's the pragmatic oath. Mm-hmm. The real oath says, I will faithfully. Uh, uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the mm. state wherein I work. So I swear that oath to the Constitution. And why did the founding fathers put that in there? So that liberty and God-given freedoms 
and civil rights would be perpetuated by all three branches. And again, I have no obligation to go along with a judge or a legislature who passes or enforces clearly unconstitutional laws, decrees, or mandates. For instance, the gun control laws in California yeah, that's a great are one. ridiculous mm-hmm. and a huge violation of my oath and of the law, the supreme law of the land. Why do we go along with that? Sooner or later, you have to decide if the Constitution means anything and your oath to uphold and defend it mean anything. Well, I have to go along with the state legislature. Why do you have to go along with them more than you have to uphold and defend the the Constitution of the United States, Mm -hmm. which you promised to do? Mm -hmm. Why do we go along with criminal judges and legislatures? And, And just because... We've been part of this, uh, as this, this is from uh, James, sorry, Thomas Paine, who said in Common Sense, a long habit of not thinking a thing to be wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right. Mm. It doesn't make it right. It just makes it look that way. And that's where we really have to decide. Does this, is this really right that we will promote gun control when we promise not to? And when you know and understand the intent of the Founding Fathers in establishing the Second Amendment and establishing the Bill of Rights, these were a list of untouchables by government. These are the limitations and parameters set on government. And now we have over 20,000 gun control laws in America, and every time there's a, a shooting, we think that it's our responsibility to create more uh, gun control. And in the United States of America, gun control is against the law. Mm, it is. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, it is. So, I'm sorry. Whether so, you like it or not. Yeah. So let's talk about the bill that's about to pass or the bill that's on the floor right now, the gun rights bill. Like there's some good stuff in protecting children in schools, but there are some mm-hmm. other things in there that are really are compromising our constitutional rights. Tell us a little bit more about that. Every, every gun control is a law that has been passed, and they're not really laws. They're just pretended legislation. Mm-hmm. That's what the Founding Fathers called it. pretended legislation. You can find that term in the Declaration of Independence. But every one of them, every one of these bills or acts or mandates or uh, pretended legislations that, that are passed every time there's another shooting, at 95% of them, like you mentioned, there's some things about trying to make schools safer, uh, and that would be really easy, but the Democrats just can't realize that having teachers armed and prepared uh, to tackle this is, is the most immediate and most effective way to do it. But uh, they always go after law-abiding citizens, and I'm not going to participate in that, and that's what uh, most of the Brady Bill was about. And it's just going after citizens. And the Brady Bill, Brady Bill 2, wanted to go after ammunition, just like they're doing right now. They said, oh, we, we can get rid of ammunition, uh, and you can still have your guns, which they know makes guns useless and makes them sticks or pieces of steel. Uh, but the, the lie and the propaganda behind all this is that you're going to be safer if we just get rid of guns uh, or if we make it difficult for law-abiding citizens uh, to access guns, and we're all going to be safer. Uh, first of all, that's not true. But and, and most importantly, though, that is a violation of your oath of office and a violation of the Constitution. And it's giving power to the federal government. They expressly are forbidden to have. Mm, okay, so how can we, the people, take our power back from the federal government? Well, uh, we need to do it county by county, and you must have a relationship with your sheriff, and your sheriff needs to be somebody who knows and understands his oath and the purpose for which he is there. The sheriff is the only elected law enforcement officer anywhere in the United States. He is the uh, uh, long, in fact, his position uh, precedes our own constitution, uh, the Articles of Confederation, and uh, the founding of America. Uh, probably by about four or five hundred years. Uh, he goes way back. The office goes way back. And it's always been that the sheriff is 
the ultimate protector of the people. Uh, and, and we elect him to do just that. He is to protect our rights. He is to protect us from crime. He is to keep our community safe. And the, De- uh, the Delaware Constitution mentions the sheriff as the being the uh, conservator of the peace in the county. Mm. That is absolutely true. Delaware is the first state, and we need to really look at those first 13 colonies uh, and, and their uh, constitutions. And we need to understand what our job really is. Uh, and to go along with the abuse of the federal government or of the state government is the antithesis of why we are here. And we are employed by the people. They are our only supervisor and boss. And I promised them that I would uphold and defend the Constitution. That's right. And so, and so again, how do we take our power back? County by county. County and by with county. Good sheriffs, and with good sheriffs leading the way, we make the, the oppression and abuse and corruption of Washington, D.C., and maybe the state capital, too, irrelevant. And we make our county a constitutional county, a liberty-oriented county, uh, where we live in peace and harmony with each other, and we attack those who will not live peaceably with us, and we establish a system of honest fairness and equality, and we make that happen in, in our communities County by county, state by state. I love it. But there must be a relationship between the people and the sheriff. All right. Wow. What a call to action for all of us that we get to know our sheriffs, not just by what we're reading about them, really getting to know them. I love this, Sheriff Mack. Now, how can other sheriffs reach you to, uh, to really take a stand the way you've taken a stand and how can we, the people, reach you to find out more information on our rights? Well, we're really pushing uh, uh, electoral fraud, election fraud uh, investigations right now. Uh, we believe that the 2000 Mules movie has presented um, compelling evidence that yes. every sheriff should be looking at. That's right. And that's our number one issue. So at our website, just go to CSPOA. CSPOA.org, and you'll see all of that. I love it. I love it. Sheriff Mack, you stand by because we're going to bring you in as we interview John Hemmerling, who's running for San Diego County Sheriff. Hey, we got a great commercial coming up for you guys, so stand by, and we'll be right back. We'll take your power back. And a huge thank you to our sponsors. This show, Take Your Power Back, would not even be possible without our sponsors. So our first sponsor up that we want to say a big thank you to is My Pillow. Thank you, Mike Lindell from My Pillow, a patriot you are. So are you tired of not getting enough sleep at night? I know that I was tired of not getting enough sleep. Then tap into Mike Lindell's My Pillow Complete mattress system. I have got one on my bed. I love it. And I wake up refreshed. My back doesn't hurt anymore. Now I wake up in the morning and I slip into my little, my pillow slippers. And those things are the bomb. I got to tell you, they really are great. I love them. So I want you to go to mypillow.com forward slash Kim to access your promo code with 66% off mypillow.com forward slash Kim. Kim, to get your MyPillow products today. And our next sponsor up, so grateful for Peak Performance Patriot Shopping Club. Listen, it's economic warfare right now. If you're tired of shopping at the big box retailers that have absolutely no interest in your wellness and you want to shore up your family's immune system and your finances, then make the switch to a Patriot manufacturer where products are made here in America with the best of science and nature. They're better, they're safer, they're less expensive. Save 30 to 50% every time you shop and get $100 in free products. Go to peakperformancepatriotshoppingclub.com for your virtual tour today. That's peakperformancepatriotshoppingclub.com.
And our next sponsor up, thank you, Gail and Bruce Dedham from San Diego Bay Adventures. We absolutely love you. San Diego Bay Adventures is your place for fun. Jet ski rentals, kayaks, and paddle boards located on the big San Diego Bay. Arrive as a guest and leave as family. Go to SanDiegoBayAdventures.com and join in the family fun. That's SanDiegoBayAdventures.com. And now back to Take Your Power Back. Welcome back to the Take Your Power Back show. This is your peak performance breakthrough master coach, Kim Yater. And we've had a very special treat today. We've had the privilege of interviewing Sheriff Mack. And Sheriff Mack, we're pulling him into this interview. Our next guest in is John Hammerling. And if you don't know John Hammerling, he is a powerhouse running for the San Diego Sheriff. So John Hammerling, welcome to Take Your Power Back. Thank you, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, and we've got Sheriff Mack on the line with us right now. I'm going to do a little introduction to you two in just a bit, but I want to share a little bit about you, John, to our audience. I was blown away by your resume, your bio. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So, John, you're a leader with 30 years of honorable service to our country, so thank you for your service. Thank for you. both you and Sheriff Mack, we are honored to have you guys serving So 30 years of honorable service, three-decade military career, retired Marine Corps colonel, John Hemmerling, that's you, has held command at nearly every level, including active duty in the Gulf War and the war in Iraq. In your last mission in Iraq, you were in command of 800 Marine Battalion, four military jails, and responsible for support, security, and stabilization missions in the Al-Anbar province. You were the senior marine liaison to FEMA Region Nine, FEMA Region Nine, for coordinating military support to local and state agencies in the time of disasters. Among your awards are a Bronze Star and Combat Action Ribbon. You were San Diego Police Officer of Distinction. That says a lot. As a San Diego Police Officer for nine years, you patrolled the Eastern and Mid City divisions and was certified as a field training officer responsible for supervising and developing police academy trainees and graduates for duty as police officers. You also received numerous community uh, commendations and commanding officer citations and a life-saving citation. You were chief criminal prosecutor. You provided seven years of legal advice to the San Diego Police Department and became legal counsel to the chief of police. Wowza. You were assigned to the city attorney's crisis response team, which advises city key leaders during this critical incident at the city emergency operations center from 2015 to 2022. You served as chief prosecutor of the city of San Diego's criminal and community justice divisions. You oversaw eight prosecutional divisions with over 200 plus staff. The division prosecuted over 18,000 criminal cases a year, as well as civil enforcements of code violations. Your endorsements, John, you're endorsed by California Republican Party, the Republican Party of San Diego County, former Mayor Kevin Faulkner, retired police chief Shelley Zimmerman, Councilman Chris Kate, Mayor Chris Richard Bailey of Coronado, Bill Wells of El Cajon, John Minto of Santee, and San Diego Deputy Cities Attorney Association, the East County Chamber of Commerce, and San Diego Asian Americans for Equality. Wowza, kabowza. That's how I like to say it, John Hammerling. What an honor to have you here today. Well, thank you. And um, as you read that, it is um, it sounds quite impressive. You're right. I don't really think about too much some of the times whenever you live these things. Um, and then you can, then you can pile it all together at the end. It's, um, it's been quite a, quite a, um, a career of, uh, as you can see, focused on leadership. And that's what this race has been, has been, been about in my conversations about leadership and proven leadership across not just in one area, but in multiple areas. John, did we lose you? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can okay, you, got it. You got it. Me? Yeah, just got yeah. that last. It, it ended so abruptly that I just I wasn't sure if we lost you. I got you. So oh, I, I'm okay. going to start with, you know, a question for you. And, and let me do a quick little introduction. Sheriff Mack, this is John Hammerling. John Hammerling, this is Sheriff Mack. <laughs> How you doing, Sheriff? Well, John, uh, I, I didn't mean to take up uh, part of your thunder here, so I'll, I'll kind of stay in the background as much as possible. I'm glad you're running, and I hope maybe that, we can follow up this conversation today on the, on her show and can show that maybe we can uh, 
uh, come to a meeting of the minds and uh, and talk about your race and and uh, see how we could help you and and uh, anyway uh, I don't I don't want to steal any of your thunder that was the most amazing uh, bio I've ever heard so uh, <laughs> I'll 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 let you go at it a, a cop and a lawyer wow you don't see a lot yeah. of those yeah powerhouse total total powerhouse so John I've got a really direct yeah. question for you and. Uh, you were up against some big dogs, and you're in the runnings. And, John, yeah. how can we, the people, assure that you're going to take a stand for our freedom, that you are going to stand in the oath that you're making as a sheriff to to support our constitutional rights, to really live within that? Yeah, well, that's a very, you're right, very direct question, Kim, and I've been asked this before, and I can tell you that... Um, um, I am not just in the sheriff's race, but probably in many, many other races as well. I'm the only candidate that has uh, defended the Constitution in my community and in the service of my country. Um, and um, I think I'm pretty much um, pretty confident in saying that I'm the only candidate that's taken an, an open office to uphold the Constitution eight separate times. I did it each time I got promoted in the military. I did it when I became a police officer. I did it when I became a prosecutor. Prosecutor, I'm sorry. Um, you know, the, the, that oath means something. You know, it does to me, and I think it does to everyone else. And, um, and I'm proud to say that I've taken the oath to, up, to uphold the Constitution um, eight separate times. It's incredible. <laughs> it's not one time. It's not two times. That's eight separate times. So what I'm hearing yes, you absolutely. saying is that you, no matter what happens... You're not going to kowtower. No matter what happens, you're going to stand firm. You're going to hold ground. And you're going to stand yeah. for our constitutional rights. So I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay, and then I'm going to bring Sheriff Mack in with this because let's talk about what's really happening today. I'm going to give you a little scenario, a probability. It's election time. It's November. There is a monkeypox outbreak. And the World Health Organization comes into the U.S. because we have signed an agreement with them, giving them power if there is a pandemic like this, any health pandemic like this. And they declare martial law. Our businesses are shut down. They're printing, we're printing up more money. We're back to mass mandated vaccines. What do you do as our sheriff in protecting our rights? Well, for one, I'd have to look at this. That's quite a scenario that I hope that never, uh, never plays out. And I, I hope that some of the things that occurred over the last couple of years that don't ever have to play out again. And we've all learned from some of these mistakes that were made. But, you know, again, you know, it's important to uphold the Constitution. We have to look at what, um, you know, what is the, um, you know, what's the state of the events that, that are occurring? What is the impact that it has on the community? And what can the sheriff do to ensure that everyone's rights are upheld and make sure that we're being fair? Um, to everyone as well, you know, fair and, and unbiased, which is, uh, you know, very critical in law enforcement, and especially in my job as sheriff. I want to make sure that that's clear to everybody that, um, you know, that, uh, that that's what we're going to do. But I, like I said, I, um, it's unfortunate some of these things that have happened in the past, but hopefully that's not going to be the case coming forward. And we're going to, and we are going to stand ground. I mean, I think we learned from some of these lessons out there and, um, and hopefully everyone's going to push back, not just the sheriff, but, you know, our local leaders as well. Hopefully they're going to be pushing back as well on some of these things. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm going to bring in Sheriff Mack on this. Sheriff Mack, same scenario. Same scenario. What's your advice to sheriffs well, in this situation? I think we can play one, answer one that actually isn't hypothetical at all, and that is um, a, a pastor there in, uh, was it not Riverside, but a neighboring county. Um, Marietta? No, it started San with Bernardino, San Bernardino, maybe, or Grace County. His name was Pastor Che On, uh, and um, he got arrested uh, because he didn't follow the edict to shut his church down. Uh, in Florida, Sheriff Cronister actually arrested, uh, arrested Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, who I met about a month ago in Florida at one of my meetings. And um, I, I have to question any sheriff that would... Uh, brag about arresting a pastor for such a thing. But if we know and understand the First Amendment protection of freedom of religion and knowing what we're about in America, I guess that would be the great question to ask you. Would you have stood and protected those pastors or would you have followed the mandates and arrested them? Well, definitely not. I'm a believer in the First Amendment. I'm a believer in the Second Amendment, the Third, Fourth, the entire Constitution. And 
Um, there's clearly a separation of church and state on that with the uh, with the First Amendment, um, which falls under that. And I just don't believe that that would be, for one, and not proper, but two, it's not a good use of law enforcement to go out and do those kind of things. If the politicians want that done, they can find, you know, somebody else to do that. That's not the sheriff's job. The sheriff's job is to uphold the law and protect the community. And um, that just doesn't seem like a, it would have been a good use of uh, resources to protect the community. Good. Good, 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 good. All right, we're going to transition a little bit. So, John, this question's for you. So we're going to have some straight talk. Yeah, we're having some pretty straight talk right now, but I want to flush some things out. I think this is such a great opportunity for you, especially being the stand that you are. Um, when we get to the bottom of why the Gunners, uh, Gun, Gun Owners Association is accusing you of wanting to take our gun rights, like, that's the word on the street right now. So tell us a little bit about what your stand is with our gun rights. Well, I'm a, a, a huge supporter of the Second Amendment, as I've said, on, uh, as well as you know, in the entire Constitution. It's obvious by the oath that I've taken. Um, the, um, uh, you know, I think that they, they have their own reasons. I don't want to presume stuff. I know that they had a candidate from day one, and they want to support that candidate. So um, a way to support them is by making the other candidates look um, look bad for whatever reason. But um, as I said, I'm going to be the strongest ca- uh, candidate out there on um, CCW. I mean, that's that's the question that I got asked. And I, I'm telling you, Kim, almost every single place I went, one of the first questions I got asked wasn't about what are you going to do about, you know, crime in our neighborhood or the homelessness or whatever. It was always about CCW. Um, and as I told people, I believe that you know, the good cause valuation process must allow each individual to assess their own need for personal safety and for self-defense. I mean, there's only four counties in the state that actually do, do that. Monterey, Ventura, um, I think San Joaquin and Sutter. And, you know, personal protection and self-defense are sufficient for good cause. And what I'm and I'm sure from San Diego, I'm going to follow suit on that. It's not currently the state of things now how they are. It's very, um, those are not good enough reasons right now at the Sheriff's Department. And um, that's going to change. And we're going to make it so that it's available to everyone as it should be. Um, every, every um, you know, responsible citizen, law-abiding citizen, it should be available to them, not just, you know, you know for some, you know, un, you know uh, ambiguous reasons and or who you're friends with. Mm, I got it. I got it. Tell us, tell us about the red flag laws. Like, how are you going to protect us from the red flag laws? Well, as you know, the um, the red flag laws in California have been uh, in, in place for a few years, mm-hmm. and the um, the answer really is, you know, the sheriff's department. I don't know. I don't know. Um, as you know, the the other candidate hasn't been asked much questions about that, especially by some of her supporters. But um, I am going to protect it to make sure that, you know, the, the law says that you, um, that the, the sheriff's department and police departments have to have policies and procedures on the books for this. They have to have those in place. They have to consider it that certain things such as mental health crisis. Um, I am going to ensure that my deputies understand that we are going to protect the rights of all individuals. We're going to make sure that there's full due process involved. And whenever there's someone that has a serious mental issue, um, that are a danger, a clear danger to our community, um, I'm going to make sure that, that we do whatever we can to, to uh, protect the community. Whether it be that or it be some other, you know, thing that we need to do as law enforcement to make sure that, that the community feels safe too. Okay, so, so here's what's there for me right now. So how do we define whether someone has those mental issues? Like what protocol are we u- u- utilizing? Well, I think you have to have, uh, for one, a lot, a lot of times you get first, um, firsthand, you know, information from a deputy on the scene, you know, conversations that they're having with somebody, uh, someplace that they've been before. You know, I can tell you as my time working as a cop, um, you know, I worked in the mid-city division for almost a decade. Um, and, um, you know, running into these things where you've seen some of the same people uh, numerous times and you know they got clear, you know, mental health issues and then they've been threatening their um, – you know, their family, or they've been threatening others. And that's the best way. Usually you get firsthand information from the, uh, from my, an, an officer who's been there numerous times. Um, there's, there's other ways to do it. And, you know, but you have to be able to parse out, you know, because we don't want to work on hearsay. We don't want to work on, you know, someone has, you know, a, 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 you know, a beef with somebody else. It has to be some actual concrete information that is, uh, that's been displayed that someone has got some, some serious issues um, that shows that they're a danger to the community. 
Okay. I got that. I got that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about about the right to defend ourselves. So I'm on I'm on, in my home on my property. Someone breaks into my house when I'm there. Do I have a right to defend myself? I mean, right now, if Roe versus Wade is overturned and things go haywire and we're here in San Diego, do I have a right to defend myself if people are on my property trying to attack me or threatening me? Well, you know, in California, the, it's the kind of um, the law is bare fear. You know, you assume that, there, that you are that you are um, in fear of your safety and your life in your home. Um, in fact, you know, a, a person's home is their castle. And um, in California, even though a lot of the laws have gone haywire in California, and I say haywire, you know, the example of Prop, 50, Prop 47, Prop 57, then we can talk about those things. But um, the one thing that is for sure that um, you can protect yourself in your home, you have a right to do that. Uh, luckily, we also have uh, the Second Amendment, so someone has the ability to bear arms, um, you know, to protect themselves and their family, because it is dangerous out there. We've seen crime on the rise in San Diego. We've seen it on rise in California and the entire country. Um, I think we're fortunate that, um, you know, it's not as not quite as high here in San Diego as it is in other places, but it still has gone um, it's gone very much um, in the wrong, the wrong direction. In a civilized society that we have here, we should be going where crime is less and we're finding ways to, um, to reduce crime, but it actually has gone the opposite direction in the last several years, and, um, and that's not good. So we do need to have some of these things to ensure that we can protect ourselves, and we can also um, need law enforcement that's going to come out, and law enforcement that's going to care about the community and, can, and care about victims of crimes, care about victims of crimes instead of caring about you know, the, uh, the defendants and how we're going to, you know, keep from putting them in jail or keep from um, holding, holding them accountable. And we've kind of gone that way. We need to reverse that. And we need, and we need to care about victims of crime and um, make sure that um, they understand that um, they got a sheriff that's going to be um, priority and focused on that. Mm. So what's been the breakdown? Like when you're looking at law enforcement right now and you, you taking on that role of sheriff, what do you see is workable. You love about this. You love about the way law enforcement is, is working right now. And what do you see as the biggest breakdown and what you're going to do to shift that? Well, I think a lot of things that what are what that they're doing, I mean, you know, the deputies and the cops on the street are still doing the same you know, work that they did 10, 20 years ago. They're out there. They want to do a good job. They want to go home to their families. Uh, they want to protect their community. Uh, and they're good, honorable people. And um, I worked around all these people, both as a, uh, as a as a beat cop and as my time as a prosecutor and my time as um, counsel to the uh, chief of police. You know, I mean, they really, truly want to do a great job. And that is still the case today. Um, unfortunately, they get handcuffed by some of the uh, the rules that are out there that have, that have changed, the rules being the laws that have changed, um, where um, they they just don't have an impact, you know, if they, if they try to do something, you know, proactive policing is also under attack as well. And I say proactive policing, meaning that, you know, the ability to get out there in your community and contact individuals, you know, and see what's going on. Because um, I can tell you the time that I spent in um, uh, working at the beat cop community policing, I think made a difference. And that's being out on the beat, walking around, talking to your community, saying, you know, um, you know, what is important to you? Oh, well, you know, there's something down the street here that I'd like you to look into and walking around and making that connection. And, you know, and those connections that you make with, with those uh, communities, no matter where it is in the city, um, it makes a big impact. And I think that getting back to that, cops would like to get back to that and show and, you know, and they get that support. They get the support to the community and they get their support from the sheriff, too. And um, you can bet whenever I'm sheriff, I'm going to be there to support them. Love it. Love it. Now, Sheriff, I was going to say Sheriff Hemmerling. So, John, so tell me if, if we the people, you know, one of the things Sheriff Mack was saying was it's super important for us to, to really get to know our sheriffs. So this is an opportunity. People listening to the show get to know a little bit more about you, right? Or the things we read. But if people really want to get to know you and know what your stand is, like how do we the people get to know you, John Hemmerling? Um, well, I think it's, 
you know, feel, I mean, I, I always ask people, you know, to uh, come and, you know, at uh, wherever I'm at and, you know, and, and hear me speak. But I think really getting to know me is me, me being out there, getting myself out there as much as I can to really talk about how this race for sheriff is critical. You know, it's been, it's an open seat that hasn't had the ability to really choose our sheriff in probably 30 plus years. And I say that because, you know, there was an incumbent that's in place and we know how that works with incumbents. And then, you know, and that, and then he was also, a, you know, an, an appointed sheriff and became the incumbent. So you have to get out there and get a chance to really vet your candidates and the opportunity to see that this race and, and the job of sheriff is really about leadership. It's about public safety. You know, and I've and I've displayed, I think, you know, the, the leadership, you know, the, the bio that you so wonderfully read at the beginning of the show here has displayed that um, I have been uh, focused on leadership my entire life, whether mm-hmm. it be in the Marine Corps, whether it be as a beat cop, and whether it be as my time as a chief criminal prosecutor. Um, I know I have displayed the ability to be successful in every single one of those. And that's what's important. I mean, you know, whether it be a, um, a government organization or a private organization, um, we all need good, good leaders to make sure that we're doing the right thing and, and, and moving everyone forward in a positive direction. And then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to support um, the community. I'm going to support the deputies. And I'm going to let them know that we're going to be doing the right thing. We're going to uphold the law. And um, it's, going to be, um, it's going to be a new day. It's going to be setting a higher standard. The status quo that we currently have the Sheriff's Department is just not good enough. I love it. Leadership, positive, a higher standard. I love it. I love it. All right. So, Sheriff Mack, I want you to speak to this. And I want you to take an opportunity to, you know, you guys are both powerful leaders. You know, and I would love for you to, you know, coming from the background you've come from and your experience as, as a sheriff, what can you speak, what can you say to, to John, who's running for sheriff? What input and advice can you give him right now to just really support him and shoring up his leadership and stepping into this role as sheriff of the county of San Diego? Well, as I said, uh, it's great for the people to get to know uh, their sheriffs and their sheriff candidates. And I believe that's a, a vital part of all of this. Um, and I agree with him about community policing. Uh, I attended the FBI National Academy where I took a class in that. And uh, it really is uh, necessary for us to return to the community and get to know them and get out of our patrol cars and get to know people and walk the beat and uh, let people see that we're out there and that we're friendly um, and, and I think that it's going to be really a big job for uh, Sheriff Hemmerling. And I say that because if, if indeed he uh, does become sheriff, that it's going to be a big job for him to do, accomplish that in such a huge county uh, because there's so many people and uh, there's only one of him. But uh, And he mentioned this a little bit, too, that his deputies will have to be trained to make sure that they know and understand that they represent him and his platform and his ideas that he wants to pursue within uh, the sheriff's office. And uh, I always call it an office. I do not say sheriff department. A department is a division of the county. The office of sheriff is completely in itself autonomous and uh, is an office uh, formed by the people. Uh, and it's not formed by a division of the uh, county commissioners or the board of supervisors. And my, the only advice I would give him is is uh, do all of this and stay close to the people. Uh, and when those times come up where you have to choose between uh, keeping your oath or obeying an act or uh, an act or a mandate from the legislature or governor, that you will put the people first. It sounds like you've been headed that way in this entire conversation. My recommendation is that you realize that the people and their liberty come first. Uh, you have amazing experience, mm-hmm. and I really look forward to talking with you again. I invite uh, you to uh, invite me over there. <laughs> I invite you to invite mm-hmm. me. And I, I would really love to sit down with you sometime if that's at all possible. So good. No, that'd be great. I appreciate the, I appreciate the comments. Um, and I can say, I, and you know, one thing is for sure, Sheriff Mackey, you're right. The, the, one of my challenges has been in the, especially in the primary was it is such a huge county. And when you really don't think much about it, that you actually get out and really drive around to all the places and trying to meet people and 
getting your name out there. It's um, it's one of the downsides of the of this is that it's such a really really large county, and getting the message out there is important. Yeah, no kidding. Well, good luck to you, Sheriff. And uh, uh, I, you know, I say I guess I should say, a counselor or sergeant, lieutenant, <laughs> or marine. Uh, you've got an amazing uh, background, and I hope that all benefits the people of San Diego. That's right. That's yeah. right. John, what an honor to have you here today. And Sheriff Mack, an honor to have you here as well. John, how can people uh, reach you, find out more about you? Uh, Kim, well, they can go to um, um, my website, johnhemmerlingforsheriff.com, johnhemmerlingforsheriff.com. Go to my website. You can look at some of my priorities on there. You can um, donate, of course, as I've, as I've discovered. You know, I've never ran for office, which I'm sure you know, Kim, and um, you know, it, um, it does take money to run for office. I'm not the kind of guy at that. They're beating people down for fundraising. That's not uh, really what uh, my kind of thing, but, um, you know, some of these things, you know, getting your word out there with, um, you know, with signs, with, um, just paying to run for office, you know, um, I, uh, you have to pay a fee to run for office and put a mm-hmm. statement on the ballot. All these things cost money. So they can feel free to donate on my website too. Um, and you know, you can always contact me, you know, there's a spot on there to contact me and I've gotten tons of questions and, I will tell you, Kim, my number one question I always got was CCW. And um, I have a good, um, a pretty good team that responds to emails, um, you know, almost uh, the day that that, that we get them. So feel free to contact me there, too. Excellent. John Hammerling, thank you so much. An absolute honor to have you here today. Sheriff Mack, an honor to have you here today as well at the Take Your Power Back show. And we are going to stay in communication. So to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us every Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Take Your Power Back show. To sponsor our show and support our sponsors, please go to TakeYourPowerBackShow.com. That's TakeYourPowerBackShow.com. You can find us on all podcast platforms, including Rumble, Public Square, and Cloutnet. And for you, my freedom-loving patriots, it's now up to you. You get to choose to step into your leadership and allow your voice to be heard. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And remember that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to the very end. And until the day of Christ Jesus, this is your peak performance breakthrough master coach, Kim Yader, signing out. May God bless you abundantly as you take your power back. Thank you for joining us for the Take Your Power Back show. Join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. as peak performance breakthrough coach Kim Yader speaks to other freedom-loving Americans that are making a positive impact in the world by standing in truth amid adversity. Listen in weekly and learn how to take your power back in your freedom, in your personal and professional life, in technology and creativity, and in your faith. Be encouraged. Be inspired. Be transformed as you step into your power and take action in your leadership and allow your voice to be heard. Together, let's take your power back. To sponsor and support the Take Your Power Back show, go to TakeYourPowerBackShow.com. That's TakeYourPowerBackShow.com. And take your power back.